every time you make a purchase outside of your business and it's for a legitimate business expense, essentially you're paying 30 to 40% more. Welcome to Boosting Your Financial IQ, where we talk about business finance and how to increase your confidence as you speak the language of money and apply these principles to drive greater financial value in your company. Please share and enjoy. We're going to be talking about taxes is specifically as they pertain to businesses. So you work with a lot of companies and entrepreneurs and individuals in this space. What I want to talk about today is um, what are some of the common mistakes that people make from a tax perspective as it relates to their business? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, especially in the entrepreneurial world. Um, if you have a pulse, you're paying taxes some way, shape, or form. And that's especially true of business owners, because as you know, owning your business provides a lot of complexity in the tax space. But mm -hmm. in finance, when there's complexity, that also leads to a lot of opportunity. Opportunity to do things really well and opportunity to do things really poorly. And so when I work with clients, there's a handful of things that I see pretty regularly that are just quick red flags that are easily correctable, but... Um, are red flags from a, you're either overpaying or you're flagging the IRS to audit you and you okay, don't so want the, that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So where do most entrepreneurs overpay when it comes to their taxes? I would say straight off the bat is how your business is structured. So, you know, if you're an LLC, wonderful. A lot of people think that that is automatically a tax vehicle. Like, oh, I'm an LLC. So I pay taxes differently. And they don't realize that that's not necessarily the case. An LLC is a chameleon. So depending on how you file your taxes, it can kind of fit the mold. Mm -hmm. So I find a lot of people have an LLC, but are still being taxed just as a single member, which is a sole proprietor. So they're paying 15.3% in self-employment tax on top of their state and federal income tax. Um, as opposed to really looking at the numbers and saying, at, at what point does it make sense to choose to file as an S-Corp where you can kind of say, yes, I am self-employed, but I pay myself a salary as the employee of this business. And on that money, we pay essentially self-employment tax. It's broken sure. out into payroll tax and, and FICA. But then as the owner, I also get a share of the profit where I only receive federal and state income tax, I don't have to pay self-employment tax. So you, you still pay the amount, but on a lesser portion of your income. So that's that's one quick tip. I also see that in reverse order. I see people too often jumping into the S-Corp world, where when you file as an S-Corp, you do have new administrative fees. Typically, it costs more to file your taxes. So we have to make sure that the tax savings outweigh some of these other, other costs. And then another one is really some of the bare basics. Hey, you're running your expenses through your personal account. So your bookkeeping is off. So we're not actually capturing a lot of your business expenses, which lower your business income on paper. So you pay less in taxes. Yeah. I think some of that is, you know, the what feels like the 101, but is a huge way to save in taxes. Yep. And lastly, I'll just say the third one is having business owners who are not taking advantage of self-employed retirement vehicles. They don't have a 401k, so they just use an IRA or a Roth. They're not looking at SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, solo 401ks, these vehicles where you can shelter a lot more of your business's income for your own personal benefit when you retire. 
Great. I love it. So let's talk about these because you hit a hot button on the first one. I'm a big structure guy. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. I do when I go into organizations and I turn them around or I help them to grow. I put in place the structure, the corporate structure. And you're right. You know, and, and I, th this is a hot button for many reasons. So let me explain here. When it comes to an LLC, you're, you're absolutely right. Most people just create an LLC for their business and then they're taxed as a partnership. So that means that the company earns you know, revenue, they pay their expenses, they end up with profit, and then they're taxed on the profit as a pass-through, right? So the, the, the LLC doesn't pay taxes, but those profits that are generated from the LLC are passed through to the individual, and then you pay taxes based on what you just explained, Leland. Now, some accountants out there, some tax accountants, and I can say this because I'm a CPA myself, I don't do taxes, but this is what drives me crazy. And I don't know if you see this as well in your practice, but a lot of tax accountants try to add value to their clients, which they should, right? But a lot of mm -hmm. them are just so busy just cranking out tax returns and just going through the, the transactional compliance side of their businesses that they don't really get to understand the bigger strategy and the bigger picture of the business. So mm -hmm. they'll say to clients, and this happens all the time, they'll say, look, you're an LLC tax as a partnership. You should convert and file an election to be taxed as an S-corp. Now, if you're listening to this and you might be a little confused here, you could be an LLC, but tax as an S-corp, you're still an LLC as an, as an entity. Okay, so don't get that confused. But you could also be set up as an S-corp and then you're obviously taxed as an S-corp. But I'm talking about LLCs, they convert to an S-corp with the promise that they're going to pay lower taxes, which is true because as an S-corp, you have to pay yourself W-2 wages, right? And on those W-2 wages, you have to match, you know, Social Security, Medicare, right? And, and these other taxes here. And that's where the tax savings are really achieved. However, okay, so I, I'm not poo-pooing that idea. However, the bigger strategy issue with that is that if you are an S-corp, there are limitations from a strategy and growth perspective. Number one, you know, you can't have entities invest in you. So you, you like an LLC or an S-corp can't own an S-corp only individuals. So only individuals can own an S-corp. There's limitations on the number of individuals that can own an S-corp. So there's there's limitations there. And there are other things like compliance costs and other things that you mentioned there that may make an S-corp not a great idea. So what are your thoughts on that, Leland? Because like I said, this is a hot button because I think that's where tax accounts, they just, by default, they just push people who are an LLC uh, they, they push them into file the election to be taxes and S corp to save money, but then it becomes a major problem and a hurdle if they ever want to raise capital, if they ever want to grow or when they get mm -hmm. to exit. Yeah, you're, you're completely spot on. And I don't know what influencer put out a blog about all LLCs should be S corps. I see it on, on social media. I see it everywhere. And it is a strategy. Like you said, I'm not poo-pooing it. I think there are businesses where it's like, this makes a lot of sense. But in all things, you have to look at the whole picture. Yep. So is it saving you in taxes? Okay, great. Well, what's the trade-off there? It's saving you in taxes, but it's limiting you from being able to bring on a corporate investor yep. or different things like that. Additionally, what I find with CPAs is you're completely right. It's a field where I think as a society, we know teachers and nurses are like fleeing. They're like, I can't do this job. It's burning me out. We don't realize that the third largest field where people are leaving are CPAs yep. because it's, it, there's just too much. There's, 
so much volume that it's crushing them. And so they're just flying through these things and they're not actually sitting down and like you said, helping you create a, a full on plan to where I see it all the time. Literally two hours ago, I was sitting with a client and they went LLC to S Corp, but their CPA never told them they needed to set up payroll. They never told them that they needed to pay W-2 wages and it's been years. And so now we're trying to unwind a lot of these things and they didn't even really make enough money to make it the S Corp tax savings worth it because sometimes when you go to the S Corp, you do trade away writing off half of your self-employment tax yep. as a deduction. So there are other little things that you lose. And so it really takes looking at a comprehensive picture and saying, you, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, whether it's partnership in a team or an individual, what is the goal here? Yep. You started this business with a vision. You have a vision, even if it's evolved. That vision was not to work nights and weekends, 60 hours a week and figure out how to pay your taxes. You have a vision for a lifestyle or an impact that you're trying to make. What is that? And what do we need to make that happen? Is it you need to bring on other owners, other partners? Is it we need to get your cash flow and your taxes under control? Because everything you do affects another thing. So yeah. one tax strategy can affect a business strategy. A business strategy can affect a tax or a cash flow strategy. And I know that's not crystal clear if someone's listening. They're probably like, well, then what do I do? Right. But I do think a lot of blanket advice is being thrown out there that just says, this is how you do it. And that's not always the case. It's very case-by-case -case basis on what actually is going to be the best for you. Yep. And like and you I said, people aren't thinking about entity versus taxation. And the fact that your LLC is your entity, that is a limited liability company. It's a company that prevents you from personal liability. It's not a tax vehicle. And therefore, you can choose how you tax it based on the other structures of the business. And, and that's why I like what you said at the beginning. You know, when you introduced this whole concept, you said people may be paying too much in tax if they're an LLC, tax is a partnership. They may be paying too much tax if they're an S Corp. So it mm -hmm. goes both ways. But folks, this, this is where, you know, I, I really want to drive home this point. Don't just run off and just file an election to be taxed as an S Corp if you're an LLC with the promise of saving money on taxes if you don't understand the bigger implications of it. Because I've worked with so many, you know, entrepreneurs and they go to raise capital, right? They, they start off, they set themselves up as, as an LLC, they convert to an S Corp for tax purposes, they go to raise capital, and then Mr. or Mrs. Investor says, look, hey, I'll invest in your company, Leland, but I want to invest as, you know, ABC Corp or my, um, you know, Steve's LLC. And I can't do that because I have to invest individually. So that could be a problem. And just raising capital and just taxes and exiting and all this other stuff could be a major hurdle in the future, which are going to cost you a lot more money than the money you're going to save by converting over to an S Corp. Now, I'm not saying mm -hmm. that it's a bad strategy. It does work for some businesses. So especially if you're like, hey, I just want to run my business. It's going to be Steve Co. I'm never going to raise capital. Hey, it may be a good strategy, but you have to understand all the implications. I'll leave it at that. And so the la and the last thing I'll say to that is it's much easier to get into the S Corp status than get out of it. Exactly. So it's a, you have to realize it's a big decision. It's hard to unravel that S Corp filing 
there's a lot of rules and regulations around that. And so it is a, you have to realize you're making a big decision. You're not just making a quick tax decision. Okay. So that, let's talk about your second point, which involves commingling funds or just not being super organized. You're not having the structure or the processes or financial reporting in place. And I see this with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And to your point, you know, an entrepreneur may say, look, you know, I'm just going to, you know, buy this domain on my personal credit card, on my company credit card. It's only hundred bucks. They swipe their card. Or they may say, I'm going to buy this computer over here with my personal credit card. I don't have my company checkbook or whatever. And then they forget to move those expenses over or the, their co-mingling funds. They have, you know, their personal and business, you know, accounts that are, you know, just super messy and sloppy in between. Mm -hmm. But just remember this. Every time you make a purchase outside of your business and it's for a legitimate business expense, essentially you're paying 30 to 40% more for that thing. So the mm -hmm. computer, say it's a thousand dollar computer, you use your personal card. It's a true business expense because it's a computer you're using in your business. Well, if that never makes it onto your business's books, instead of paying a thousand bucks, you're paying $1,400 probably for that computer at the end mm -hmm. of the day. So, I mean, nobody would do that in their right mind. I mean, think about just with Black Friday, people are standing in crazy long lines to try to save 30%, but they're yeah. losing 30 and 40% all day long in their businesses by not having good reporting and having these processes in place. What do you say, Leland, to that? I mean, again, you're spot on. I'm in complete agreement. I was with someone the other day who that exact case, they bought technology like printers and, and second screens and stuff for their business all on their personal card and on their business card, they had groceries because they were like, I went to the grocery store and I forgot my my personal card. And you're like, okay, that that's not something we can't undo. Like we can move the expenses around. We can make it to where it accounts correctly. But sure. if you don't, you're missing out on a huge benefit, especially putting the expensive stuff on the personal card. Because at the end of the day, these business expenses are lowering their what's called above the line deductions. Like if you don't have a business, you make money and there are certain deductions that you can take that come out what's called above the line. So they lower your income on paper and that's the your adjusted income, your adjusted gross income, which is what the government used to tell you what you can and cannot do. Can you yep. contribute to a Roth IRA? Can you you know get a stimulus check back in the day? That's your AGI. So you wanna lower your AGI as much as possible. Well, throughout life, we just spend money but in your business, if we can capture the right expenses and lower your business income on paper, then what flows through to your personal income is lower, essentially yep. lowering your AGI. So there's a lot of benefits when you trickle that down, not just on your business tax return, but on your personal tax return. And so understanding, taking the time to understand what is a business expense, what's not a business expense. How do I actually account those things? And if I am in a situation where it happens, I need to buy this for my business. I don't want my business checkbook or my business card. Okay, well, you have to buy it. But how do you, what's the system that you have in place? The Like the standard operating procedure for when you do a business expense on your personal to flip that back, to actually yeah. put that back on your business books. It takes time. It's annoying. Nobody likes bookkeeping unless you're a bookkeeper. Like, right. it's just not fun. I get it. We You didn't go into your business because you love that part of it. But if you can get that set up well and you get some standard operating procedures in place and you are just intentional on the front end, it's going to make a world of a difference. And you're going to see that 
on the back end when you actually receive the money, when you actually pay less in taxes and you're getting the benefit for that work. Absolutely. Okay. So let's move on to your third point where you mentioned utilizing tax deferred retirement vehicles in order to reduce your tax liability. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Leland? Yeah. And, and this is a huge topic, but you know, when we start our businesses, the biggest thing an entrepreneur immediately feels is, whoa, I don't have a benefits package for my old firm. Like I'm trying to figure out my health insurance. I'm trying to figure out my retirement when I don't have a 401k. And oftentimes we just default into an IRA or a Roth IRA, which are great tools. Truly they are, but they have such a low maximum annual contribution. It's $6,500 in 2023 if you're under the age of 50. And so if you're making 100, 200, 400, half a million dollars a year, maxing out your IRA is not actually giving you a tax benefit significantly. And it's not even close to a healthy percentage of your income to be able to build for retirement if you're not planning on selling your business. So there are these other tools that many people don't know about, like a SEP IRA, for example, which allows you to defer up to 25% of your comp. Now, if you're paying yourself a salary, that's the salary comp. If you're not, and you're just making self-employment income, it's the whole self-employment income. And that's straight from the business. So it's not off your personal income, it's off your business income. Mm. So if your business is showing a significant profit, this is an easy tool to shelter away 25% of your comp into this vehicle as a business tax deduction. So how difficult is that to set up? A SEP IRA is way easy to set up. And I mean, it's like setting up a traditional IRA. You just click the SEP IRA button and, and you have to put in a little information about your business, obviously. But administratively, it's way lower cost and easier than trying to set up a 401k for your business. Now, the catch with a SEP is if you have employees, whatever percentage you do to your own SEP IRA, you have to do to all of theirs. Mm -hmm. So at some point, the value of the SEP goes out the window when you're like, I want to contribute 25% of my comp to my SEP IRA, but I've got 15 employees, and then I'd have to do 25% of their comp to all of their accounts. At which point we can look into something like a simple IRA, which works like a 401k where they can contribute and you can match their contributions up to 3%. But again, much lower administrative burden, much lower cost to set up. And another way that you can take money from your business and shelter it into your own retirement account as a business expense. Love that. And in these vehicles, you can do a lot more than $6,500. And so, I, for example, I was working with a client. They were showing a $400,000 profit. They're a solo entrepreneur. It's just them. And so they were about to get crushed in taxes. And it's like, all right, well, what can we do? And we were doing lots of things from a tax mm-hmm. perspective. But one of them was, let's set up a solo 401k, where most of the time people think I can only do $22,500 into my 401k plus whatever my company matches. But if you are the company, you can match your full 22,500 and profit share. And so you can actually do up to 63,000. I actually think this year might be 66. I would need to get clear on that number, but you can get so much more money into these vehicles. Yeah. And that is all money that's in his pocket for the future. That's invested, that's growing and is a business deduction to him sheltering that from the taxes just right there. So I just say that to say constantly I come across 
heavy cash flowing successful businesses that are struggling with the tax side. And when we look, it's like there's just tools. There are these easy tools designed for you as a self-employed professional that can allow you to shelter money for yourself in the future pretty significantly that we're just not taking advantage of because we don't know it exists. Yep. And and this is great. I mean, you've done a great job just providing a high-level outline of different strategies and tactics that people could pursue to reduce their tax liability. And look, if there's one message for people to hear in this entire episode is it starts with strategy. Like you have to have a higher level strategy and understand really where are you going? What do you want your business to look like? Like what does um, exiting look like in your business? What does retirement look like in your life? You know, just in overall, just like starting with a, a strategy before you just go down these different paths to try to reduce your tax liability. Because if you do that, if you're like, oh, I heard from this person over here, or I saw this on TikTok and this guy said to, to do this or that, then you just have this disjointed strategy and you're pursuing all these different tactics, which sure may reduce your tax liability in some sense. But as you alluded to, Leland, there are far greater strategies that are more integrated that can get you everything you want in your business and in your personal life if you understand what the heck you're, you're doing here. So if you need help with this, you know, this, this is, you know, why I had Leland on the show. He's an expert in the space. So Leland, thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. Of course. Thanks for having me. And for all of you who are listening, if you want to learn more about Leland, you go to byfiq.com, which stands for boosting your financial IQ, go to the guest page, send your podcast. Uh, you'll find Leland's page, Leland Gross. Um, I'll provide links there and more information if you want to get in contact with them and you want to start figuring out ways that you can reduce your tax liability in your, your own life and start capturing more the, the wealth and holding on to the wealth. So thanks for joining me, Leland. And once again, thanks again, everybody for tuning in. And until next time, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.